Kimberly Hayes Samuga. And I'm Amanda Day. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the first season of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are a dynamic duo bringing you insight and knowledge into the ever-evolving world of grants, development, and fundraising. Full disclosure, we're Southern. We are. You may hear a y'all. Y'all, it happens. <laughs> this season is brought to you by our generous sponsor, Grant Writing USA. Grant Writing USA delivers training programs across America that dramatically enhance performance in the areas of grant writing, grant management, and grant maker research. They have coached, trained, and consulted for nearly 15,000 top-ranked organizations and more than 25,000 individual achievers from every imaginable domain. Leaders of government, philanthropists, Academics, outstanding nonprofit managers, top performing staffers, just your everyday heroes. Full disclosure, when we're not entertaining you, we hope, with our podcasting adventures, we are trainers for Grant Writing USA. At the end of this episode and throughout season one, we will be sure to let you know about upcoming offers at Grant Writing USA just for our listeners of fundraising. Heyday. So what are we talking about today, Kimberly? Well, Amanda, today we're talking about when to just walk away from grants. So you mean there's grants we should say no to? Girl, <laughs> there are grants that just may not be a good match. And as a grant professional, you can pay, play a key role in helping people understand when to go for it and when to step back and wait for the next one to come around. Absolutely. I think that's a very important role for any grant professional is just educating people on the right grant and the wrong grant and to how to know the difference. So to just get this saying no party started, <laughs> to think about grants and the overall scheme of fundraising for your organization or for your client's organization if you think about a pie, because everybody likes pie, yes, pie's good, the fundraising pie of your organization should have a slice that's somewhere between 12 and 20% of the whole pie funded from grants. Now, again, that's an industry standard. I mean, there could be programs that are almost completely grant funded because of their very nature, or if you're working for a municipality or county government, your funding picture is going to look very different, right? Because that's where you worked. Absolutely. Yeah. Some, depending on a very well organized, not, not, not that they're not all well organized, but someone with a very nice tax base, mm -hmm. it may be a much smaller percentage that is grants. And so because of that, and also because a grants cycle can be months long, right? I mean, yes. it could be, you could apply for the grant and you may not hear for four, five, six months sometimes whether or not you got it. So it's not the kind of funding that can be counted on in case of an emergency. In other words, think about it. When your house is on fire, you don't take a moment and install energy efficient appliances because it will save you money. Because <laughs> your it's true, energy yes. efficient appliances will save you money. Yes. But when your house is on fire, not the right time. Not the right time. Because yes. it takes time to save money with energy efficient appliances. And by the way, your house is on fire, so you might want to do something about that. So if your organization's house is on fire, if your hair's on fire, if something's on fire and it's yes. not supposed to be on fire, mm -hmm. grants will not put that metaphorical fire out for you. No. 
They're a longer cycle, oftentimes will not fund general operating, which you may be having an emergency about, which is what all this fire talk is about. And not only that, funders like to give to successful organizations and one that's burning down, not too successful at the moment. No. (laughs) So when you're thinking about when to say no to a grant, Mm -hmm. if you are either working for or working with an agency that is in serious financial emergency, for whatever the reason, could be the economy tanks, could be somebody did something a little shady, or could be just be mismanagement of funds. That's not the time to go, I know, we can write grants. That will save us all, said no Mm. responsible grant professional ever. So that's about one reason about when to say no. Another reason is maybe your organization just isn't quite ready. So I know, Amanda, you shared with me that you've talked with a few organizations over the years that really wanted to bring in grant money, but they weren't quite ready yet. What are a couple of the things that let you know they weren't quite ready? Well, first of all, just organizations, you know, someone's like, hey, I want to start a nonprofit. I want grants. And my first question always is, great. When did you get your 501c3? And 501! I know. If the answer is, <laughs> oh, I'm working on that, then yeah, grants are not for you. They um, Grants, they like you to have been around for a couple of years, have a t- track record to show that you have the ability to do your mission. And uh, if you don't, then... Yeah, no. So if uh, yeah, if you're if you're just starting out, that's one of the things that I and that's that's part of why I prefer to work for local government. That is my wheelhouse anyway. But they've been around for a while. Typically, there's there's, there's a couple of new cities that spring up from time to time. But, oh, especially in the Atlanta area. Oh, they like Let's to build go them, there. don't they? But anyway, but most of them have been around for a while, so they have that track record, mm-hmm. which I've found to be very helpful. And another thing that maybe an organization may not have if they don't yet have their 501c3 or if they do have it but have been in business for less than a year is they may not have a board of directors. They may not have a financial track record. They may not have the ability uh, or resources to provide regular financial reports like um Well, they P&Ls. don't even have an organizational budget. Exactly. I've had some people in some of our writing classes, you know, when we talk budgets and they're like, "How? where do you pull that from? I'm like, well, your org's budget. And they're like, yeah, we don't really have one of those yet. And I just take a, take a breath and just say, okay, well, that's a great place to get started is to get a little more organized with yourself before you ask anybody else to help fund your projects. That, that's true. And you bring up a good point. In this case, perhaps you could use the prospect of applying for a grant as sort of a way to get people organized and enthusiastic about becoming grant ready. I mean, maybe it could be sort of the carrot dangling out there to sort of pull people along and, hey, we probably really do need to get a board of directors and we need to set up regular financial reporting. Maybe maybe there's a bookkeeper that can we can hire for maybe three hours a week to help us along in this process. Absolutely. These kinds of things are things that grant makers are looking for, evidence that you are able to handle the business end of your nonprofit as well as making positive changes in the community. Exactly. And if you're not really sure if you're ready or not, there is um, a grant consultant we know, Diane Leonard. She has a great grant readiness tool on her website. So if you just want to check out Diane Leonard, get to her website and you can answer some questions and it will help gauge whether or not you're even ready to Mm -hmm. start handling grants. 
Or if you're the person having that discussion with someone with an organization, maybe you can use that checklist or one like it Mm -hmm. to help them sort of come along in that discussion and really see if they're really ready to move forward. Because as we've talked about multiple times here, people have maybe a mistaken impression that getting grants is like some sort of magic money. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to make everything okay. And um, it'll fix all our woes. Yeah. And it'll mm-hmm. be beautiful. And I'm not going to say that it won't be beautiful because grants can help you do amazing things and your transformational things in your community, but you've got to be able to handle them. Yes. Cause nothing's free, especially not in the grant world. It's going to cost you something. So you it's going to be... cost you something. And then sometimes another way you have to say no to a grant is when you have to give money back. <gasps> oh, I hate to hear that. And let me preface that with saying not because you've messed up and you have to pay money back. That's this a is different a, discussion. <laughs> this is a you got an award, but maybe something went a little hinky. And l- let me give you some examples <laughs> so you know what we're talking about. Hinky so, is the technical term, y'all, by the way. It is very technical. So first of all, maybe you've written out your grant. It's a great proposal. You submit it. Your funder mm-hmm. likes it, but they're just not able to give you the full amount. So they're coming back saying, hey, we can give you half of what you asked for. Mm. Now, sometimes that's okay. You may be able to narrow the scope of your work Um, you know maybe if you were going to build a mile worth of sidewalks okay I'm just going to build half a mile and that's it's feasible it still makes sense with starting and endpoints maybe you can do that but sometimes when you don't get as much money you're not really able to do your program the way it was intentionally designed and so maybe one of those things that you have to turn that down because if you're not going to do it the right way there's no sense in doing it at all but amanda what if you just take the money because you were awarded it and you're just gonna you know make it work she said shifting her eyes wildly <laughs> i wish you could room. see kimberly's face right now she's asking this question yeah it's still a good grants administrator again that's a discussion you have to have with the program staff and finance people but you know, if you're having to scrape together, if you're having to change a lot of things that you're just, again, just because you can get money doesn't mean you should take it. I don't know a better way to say that other than just that if it's not going to be able to allow you to do the work the right way, the way it was intended, the way you're supposed to do to help the people or the things that you're trying to help, it's better to say no and seek another funding source that can actually get funding to do it the Mm -hmm. right way. Now, what you might be able to do if you get less Maybe if you have other funding opportunities, Mm -hmm. you might be able to pair a couple of different grant programs together to do your full program. And that may be an option too, but depending on how quickly and whether or not you've already applied for other funding sources, if that's the only application you've applied for and they're not giving you enough money to do it in the long run, it's smarter to say no thank you and find another way to make it happen. I think that's especially true if the grant award in question has a really tight timeline, like they're like, we're going to give you $500,000, but your program costs a million dollars. And this grantor is saying, yeah, but you have to complete all of this work in six months, even though we're not giving you the full amount, which I'm not going to say happens all the time, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. And you may realize, hey, that's not enough time for me to get matched funds up to make this happen. I don't have another grant or two in my back pocket. We don't already have some funds set aside. And so it may just be better to say no. Because 
what could happen, Amanda, if you do take the money and you don't do right by the money? Oh, that's when you've got, like, if it's a federal grant, you may have the Office of the Inspector General showing up at your office. You may have um, your funder showing up and starting to dig around and poke around. And if you're not meeting all of your obligations that you agreed to do because you wrote that grant application and you signed that award agreement, you could then potentially have to pay money back. People can also go to jail if they really, you know really mess up. And I'm not saying they're late on reports. I'm saying they, you know, <laughs> bought something for personal use. You misspelled something in this program narrative. You're going down. <laughs> going down. No, here's a good example of um, someone that used program funds at a large university and it was supposed to be for helping students at said university. Instead, she bought tickets to football games and paid for a niece's wedding reception. Yeah, that's... I know what you're talking about. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, not a good thing. Maybe another time when you might have to turn back money is when there's been a dramatic change in your organization in the interim between the time you turned in the proposal and the time that your grant was awarded. I mean, something just huge like a hurricane could have come through or flooding your facility could now be incurring tens of thousands of dollars worth of emergency repair costs that you didn't know about nobody knew about. The funder may be in another state, and that might be the time to say, hey, we can't possibly fulfill this program now. We have to do these repairs. Or you might have had a complete turnover in staff. Sometimes this happens. Well, and a good example, too, is if your elected body, you know, because every elected body has their direction and where they're, the things that they want to accomplish. You're you're talking about maybe a a mayor Mayor of a city or county commissioners or what have you. Or even it could be your board of directors at your nonprofit because whoever's in charge they kind of set the tone of like here's here's where we're headed and you know if elections happen and suddenly over half of your mayor and council members are new and they may say you know what that's really not a priority to us anymore we would rather focus our efforts over here so we don't want to go for that grant that That hasn't happened quite as much for me um, with boards of directors because generally not all the board of director members um, are roll off at the same time so there's more continuity But I have seen it happen when there's been a big change in the CEO, you know, or the executive director Mm -hmm. who may have, like you said, a completely different focus. So those are some examples of when it might actually happen and you might just need to return the money. Exactly. So I've got a good example um, of why we had to one time return money. Um, We were doing a trail project and the funding was, um, the funder was going to pay for most of the construction costs. Our portion of the match came at the beginning on the design side of things. And so as we are going through the federal process of design, which is quite complicated and going through the environmental assessment of things, they came back to us and said, Hey, Two things we've discovered. Um, One, a a project very near to you, they found some arrowheads. So there's a very high likelihood that there are some articles of historical significance on the Mm -hmm. site you plan Mm -hmm. to build. Mm -hmm. So we're going to need you to do a little digging and poking around and see if there's anything there. Um, That's going to cost, you know, like another $10,000. Oh, and there's this long-eared bat that's going extinct, and we're pretty sure he's set up habitat where you plan to construct. I'm not making this stuff up, people. really happened in the grant world. But anyway, so we were going to have to spend some money to put up these nets and different things and try to trap them and see if they were living there to know if it was the right bat or not. And that was going to cost like another $15,000. So already we're twenty an additional $25,000 in the hole mm-hmm. that was coming out of our pocket because we had not anticipated this. Who anticipates now, long-eared bats, really? Uh, not me. 
So anyway, we are sitting here trying to decide, okay, $25,000 out of our own pocket. If we find nothing, then we can continue to move on. But if we did find arrowheads or if we did find these bats, then we were going to have to pay additional money, which who knows how much that cost, to help mitigate those two things. Um, so suddenly this project that was looking quite fabulous mm-hmm. as far as budgeting goes is starting to get really, really expensive. Yeah. And so the question is, how badly do we need this trail system right here? Or should we maybe regroup and do it elsewhere or, you know, find it. And here's the crazy thing too. The only reason we had to do all those studies was because it was federal dollars. If we wanted to build that trail right there with our own local dollars, we wouldn't have to study any of those things. And where would that bat be though? Exactly. Mm. So, but anyway, so we um, came to the conclusion that maybe, maybe this is not the grant for us and maybe we should focus on other trail efforts. We had plenty other ones in the city that needed to be done as well. So we just, uh, we returned that money. Fair enough. I mean, that's a yeah. good example of just sound judgment. It's yes. like unanticipated things. This is not going to be a good fit for us anymore. And I'm pretty sure the funder didn't banish you from the grant world. Oh, no, they and understood. Ever. And trust me, there's plenty of people on the list that will be were very happy to hear that their project was suddenly funded, that they didn't think it funded. So they, trust me, the money goes somewhere. The money does go somewhere. A final main point about when to say no to a grant is... When the funder just isn't that into you. (laughs) I think we could slide into more. We should have some soft jazz music in the background. I would think so. It's just not that into you. It's okay. When it's not a good fit is what I'm getting at. We've all had those friends who are looking for that special someone convinced that some that person was perfect for them in every way but that person maybe didn't text or didn't want to slide into those dms as the children say and <laughs> look at you being all up on the lingo me. that i don't even know <laughs> frightening and sometimes a funder is very clear about what they will fund and you match 90% of what they're saying, but you don't hit that final 10%. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to be that into you. Yeah. So Because someone else is going to tick all the boxes. Yes. And they put all those boxes out there to be ticked for a reason. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to do. I don't know why. It's their prerogative. It's their money. It's their money. So... Instead of trying to mold your organization in a way that you kind of sort of fits all their focus areas but doesn't, it's time to say, hey, let's just step away and try someplace else. I've had this happen a lot when very, very good-intentioned, well-meaning people, perhaps board members, program people, executive directors, anybody is like, hey, I saw this grant. We should go for it. Um, It's awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. And so I thank them Mm -hmm. and I begin to look through the grant and do more research, maybe looking at their tax returns, um, which are called 990s. It's sort of a foundation's form of tax return, looking at their giving history, but looking at their focus areas, anything I can find. And some of the things that I find that can tell me whether or not the funder is going to be into this organization are the following. If you're looking anywhere in any 990 or any documentation, maybe even a website, some foundations have them, not everybody does, but um, If the organization says they only give to pre-selected organizations... That's the worst. I mean, it's great that they they fund great things, but as a seeker of funds, I hate seeing those words. Well, that's kind of like 
saying invitation only. And it's kind of like if you were trying to go to some fancy new club and there's one of those big bruiser looking uh, security (laughs) bouncer dudes at the door and they have their sunglasses on, even though it's nighttime and they're just not even acknowledging you and they're letting all these other people in ahead of you. Those think of those people as pre-selected organizations (laughs) and think of yourself as someone who, Probably has standing outside, freezing your tail off. Girl, you've got better things to do. Straighten up, find a place, find your tribe. It's okay. And that's not to say that if you're not a pre selected organization, you could never be, but it could be a process and it may not happen. And if that grant is due in three weeks, I can guarantee you, you are not going to be on their pre selected list. So that's an easy rule out. If you see that and you are not one, and if you were one, you would know, yes. right? Because they would be reaching out to you and asking you to apply. Then just stop right there and look for another grant and maybe make a suggestion that your board member or executive director find a way, y'all can work together to find a way to reach out to that foundation. because yeah, th- that's how you become pre-selected. Absolutely. You build that relationship and eventually you may be able to be one of the chosen few. I'm back to that club analogy. Not that I have a lot of experience in this at all, (laughs) but I just want to say if you were going to build a relationship and be able to walk into that club, if it were me, whatever, bouncers come and go. But the club owner is the one that I would want to put me on the guest list. I'm just saying. So let me just step away from that and move on to something else. Other eligibility requirements. I've had this before. Yes, they do. I'm looking, maybe I'm searching through a database. I'm looking for some organization that supports people with disabilities, helping them find jobs. It's a great fit. I had, there's this great program. I'm matchmaking. I'm feeling good. I open the description. I'm reading through, and I look to where they fund in the United States, and they only fund on the West Coast, and I'm on the East Coast. Yeah. Okay, just... No. Yeah. Don't, and don't make me bring back the club analogy again, because I will. But you know what? <laughs> if, if, you're, if you are just on the, if you're not in their geographic focus area, just leave it alone. If, yeah. you're, if they only fund in Alabama and I'm in Georgia, guess what? I'm not going to go. It's a different but state. y'all. We're so can, close, y'all. I can stand on the highway and see Alabama. No, that's really not, it's not good enough. If they have a requirement of a certain population, mm-hmm. a certain age group, maybe they only serve youth ages 12 to 18, but you serve youth ages 9 to 11 then it's also not a good fit. Yes. Even if everything else is in line, they're just not going to be that into you. So if you don't meet their eligibility requirements, if they only give to preselected orgs and you are not one of them, it's just not a good fit. And while we're talking about he or she is just not that into you, there's another part that could come into play when you might need to say no, and that's called matching. Yes, most grants, not all, but most of them have a match requirement, meaning they are not going to pay 100% of your total cost. Maybe they'll pay 80% or 50%. In that case, you've got to pay the remaining portion. And that's just their way of you putting some skin into the game, showing that it really is important to you and it helps them spread their money further as well. But not every organization has match money available, whether it's because you have no extra money or whether it's because you've got a little but not enough for this. And 
so if you don't have the match, that's what keeps a lot of good organizations from receiving money. They're like, man, I really could use that grant. I could do some great good with it, but I need to come up with $200,000 and I just don't have that sitting around. And that's so if, if that's the case, then there's no way for you to be able to apply for that grant. And I would say not only worrying about the match, but you also need to worry about how they pay you that grant. You know, most grants, especially from the federal side, are on a reimbursement basis. Oh, right. Yeah. I had a lady once, she worked for a very small food pantry, and they had these dreams and were thinking big. It was a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had come to one of my writing classes um, specifically. To, they needed a food truck. Oh. Okay. And those are expensive, you know. Yeah. And when we started talking about what her annual operating budget was. It was not that big. They used volunteers, which is a great thing to do. They were able to do a lot with a little. But once she really figured out, oh my gosh, if I had to pay for that food truck out of my own budget and wait for them to pay me back, we can't. Like we don't, we wouldn't be able to pay our staff. We wouldn't have the money that year to turn the lights on or whatever it was. Um, And so really that was one of those things I'm like, yeah, then that's, you know, a huge big federal grant is probably not Not the right right fit. fit for you. So you, you know, you may need to say no because of money issues. A good thing to remember is that sometimes it's better to walk away and live to write grants another day. Oh, okay? so profound. I know. Oh, now, these can be challenging discussions to have with your organization because I think a lot of people just see it's free money, it's grants, we should go for it. Why would we not? Why would we not go for a grant, you know? But a big part is educating folks. You want to make sure that your time and effort is well spent. And that means finding the right matches, going after grants that you have a a fairly high success mm-hmm. of, of receiving um, and that you're going to be able to do well with it. So you want to line your facts up ahead of time and that will ultimately benefit your client or your organization. Less time wasted and better return on your time invested in writing grants is the trick here. So we'd like to think that your time invested in this podcast is a very helpful thing. And we're here in great part because of our season one sponsor, Grant Writing USA. For a special offer for our listeners only, visit their website, grantwritingusa.com backslash podcast. While you're there, you can check out their two-day courses taught in all 50 states. And remember, there is no specific college degree in grant writing or fundraising, but there are a lot of good people with experience to share, training programs, and other ways to learn. We'd love for this podcast to be one of your favorite ways to learn. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes this season, including our next one, where we're talking about the three main types of private foundation fundings and the different approaches they may each require. Can't wait. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.